Hello and welcome to today's podcast on how to create a monologue via an online or video recorded forum. Today we've brought a lot of different people from the industry of varying degrees of experience and expertise to give you some top tips on how to create a monologue which can be used for both audition and casting situations and can also be used to kind of create a showreel of material so you can track your learning. We've also got today uh, artistic director Max Roberts from Live Theatre who's brought together these professionals to discuss their top tips with you. So I'm going to firstly introduce you to Max and then we're going to introduce some exciting people from the industry. Good morning Max, so you're joining me in a socially appropriate socially distanced way for this podcast this morning and as I've already explained to the, to the listeners we're looking at top tips for monologues and how people can create monologues um, you know, through recordings or uh, on the camera or virally. So just to start us off before we get into the nitty gritty of monologues, would you like to say a little bit about yourself and, and, and why you're interested in being part of the podcast? Yes. Uh, hi, I'm Max Roberts. Uh, I'm the former artistic director of Live Co- Theatre Company in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. Uh, I'm currently associate emeritus director at live theatre and a visiting professor of theatre studies at uh, the University of Sunderland Uh, and I work with you Adele uh, teaching um, a couple of uh, semesters to year two and year three students. Uh, I've directed loads of plays all over the world um, and uh, I probably uh, can recognise a good uh, monologue audition piece when I when I see one because I've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Because monologues are just really important in a lot of ways for for actors to have in their repertoire just ready to go um, for audition purposes or to send a kind of video tape of themselves to casting directors and agents. So you've already said you receive quite a lot of them and you're quite familiar with them. Do you want to kind of say something about why they're important and why, you know, students would need to know something about creating a monologue, preparing and producing a monologue, really? Well, I suppose, especially in the current times, uh, a lot of, if, if, if potential students are wanting to become actors or get involved in performance, um, and they are relatively inexperienced, then they will uh, inevitably have to uh, audition and that will involve uh, presenting a piece to the director or the casting casting director or the, the, the university lecturer who's, who's leading the course. Um, especially in these times, uh, acquiring the skills to actually present it digitally on, on either uh, recording it on your phone or on your computer uh, is a really important skill and indeed a lot of professional casting is more and more being done in that manner so even when people are casting television programs uh, from uh, from London they are receiving uh, digitally uh, transmitted uh, audition pieces uh, self-taped by the by the actors and indeed I've started doing that uh, when, when directing plays in the last couple of years uh, because it, um, it saves a lot of time. I mean, normally in an audition process, I have to go down to London and interview people. I would be with 
casting directors and have a, two days of, of castings. But for smaller parts, particularly or, uh, recently, I've I've received uh, digital auditions and made selections from from them. And I think that's current practice in the theatre now, and I think it will be accelerated uh, uh, in, in in the business when if it gets back uh, in, up and running. And we've, we've brought some really exciting people to talk to the students today um, about monologues and, and kind of top tips for monologue preparation. I've invited four uh, professional actors to make a contribution to our podcast who all have uh, a lot of experience of working in the industry and specific experience of presenting monologues, audition pieces. The first one is Tracy Gilman who's a, the, the most senior actor of the four. She used to have a very prolific career in theatre and television, stopped to have a family and children. And she's now uh, a professor at Newcastle University, where she teaches uh, English literature, including writing and presenting slam poetry. So I thought Tracy would be an interesting person to, 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 to uh, uh, speak. And she's chosen a piece, I think, that she did as an audition piece when she was working in television uh, many years ago. The second person is Rosie Stancliffe. Now, she is a working actress based in the Northeast, and she did something quite interesting uh, during the uh, lockdown. She decided to uh, do a verbatim piece where she spoke the words of Boris Johnson, uh, who was speaking at one of his press conferences, giving advice uh, about the coronavirus crisis. And she's done quite an interesting thing. She's, she's presented it in her own accent. And then she cuts it with Johnson. So Johnson speaking in his accent, in posh accent. And then Rosie saying the same words in her accent, the Geordie accent. And I think you'll find that the, the contrast uh, is quite interesting. And it, it throws up some interesting points about class and the way uh, words are perceived when they're presented in different uh, dialects. The third person is Brian Blonsdale. And Brian is an actor I've known for about 15 years. He's been in many of my plays. He's been in plays that have been taken all over the world. Uh, and, what, and he was in a play called My Romantic History, which I directed live a few years ago, which we brought students from Sunderland University to both see and then to perform with Brian coming into the university to work with him. So Brian has a relationship with me and the university. And one of the things Brian's been doing during the lockdown is he's created this thing called Coronavirus Theatre, which presents theatrical pieces every Sunday evening live on YouTube. And it's grown to be enormously popular and successful. Uh, and, and there will be, hopefully, you'll be able to get a link or you can just Google Coronavirus Theatre on YouTube and you'll be able to access some of the material that he's uh, either produced, directed, or indeed presented as an actor. And the final one is a, 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 another slightly more senior actor called Joe Caffrey, who I've worked with for about 30 years. Uh, he's been in an awful lot of plays, uh, both uh, and, and, and television, both uh, regionally and nationally and internationally. He has a, a long relationship with myself and Lee Hall. He was in Billy Elliot, he was in Courtney with Elvis. Uh, and recently he presented a, a monologue on the coronavirus uh, YouTube uh, platform, which was written by Lee Hall, which was called uh, Two's Company. And then secondly, he presented a piece of work by Sting, 
because it worked with Sting on a production called The Last Ship. Sting had listened to his uh, monologue that Lee had written and decided he would like Joe to present this piece that Sting had written, uh, which he did, and Sting then supplied the music and the introduction and the titles. So that was uh, quite an interesting, but it's again a story set in, in, in the Northeast, quite a, a sweet little uh, uh, piece of material.
didn't even know. I was out with the girls. He said all kinds of people dead and you were out with the girls. I said I didn't even know. Hello, my name's Rosie Stancliffe. I'm an actor based in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. I started life at uh, Live Youth Theatre and then Newcastle College and National Youth Theatre and then trained at Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. Um, and I'm now working in uh, the North East. I'm Associate Artist at, New at Alphabetty Theatre. And most recently at Live, um, I was in a verbatim play called Locker Room Talk by Gary McNair. I've really struggled to get my head around self-tapes and after lots of online research and trial and error these are the best tips that I can give you. So takes, don't do too many. I would say your first take would be setting up, making sure that everything's alright, looking at it, see what you liked, what you didn't like. And then normally for me takes two and three are the ones that um, I pick between and then I always do a backup one just in case anything goes wrong so once you've got that one take that you love do another one for safety time give yourself enough time um i would always suggest having an extra day in hand for all your editing and uploading and compressing and sending through we transfer and things because every single time i have uh, done a self-tape uh, I've always had a problem getting it off a device and onto iCloud and down to my PC and all, all that kind of stuff. So if you've got enough time, don't try and film it and send it off in one day. Um, the orientation, the industry standard is landscape and that is much easier for editing on things like iMovie um, on your phone or, or your iPad, whichever you've recorded it on. Um, portrait is good for like Twitter and TikTok. But if you're going to be editing clips together, iMovie works in landscape and use the back camera as well. That's a tip. Selfie camera doesn't have as much depth of field, so the back camera is always the one to use. If you can get in natural light in front of a window, that's always preferred. I got a tripod and ring light recently from eBay and that saved me a lot of time from balancing my phone and iPad on various household implements. And the ring light's great if you can't get in front of natural light. Uh, and enjoy yourself. This is a unique opportunity for you to have the luxury of no performance anxiety or audition nerves. Um, it's just you and the camera. And really try and focus all your energy into that lens if you're doing it, if you're performing to the camera or monologue. Or if it's a self-tape with um, dialogue with other characters, you want to do it off camera. So you pick a point in the room or you you know, do it with somebody behind the camera. Um, all that physical energy needs to be um, encapsulated into uh, an intensity that can be done without a massive um, big performance. The more an intimate experience you can make it, the more the viewer will feel like you're talking directly to them. And know what it's for. I think a self-tape and a recorded monologue are two different things. If you're doing a, a like performance of a monologue that's going to be shared for audiences, uh, then, yes, yeah, set your scene. Find a place in your house that um, has the right background and all right lighting. But if it's a self-tape for uh, casting purposes, then well, you want a more kind of studio atmosphere and just you with a plain background um, speaking off camera to someone. I would say a grey background is better than the white as far as I've tested. Uh, just a grey sheet, you know, it doesn't have to, you don't have to 
spend loads of money on photography equipment. Hello there, my name is Brian Lonsdale. I'm an actor from uh, Crook, County Durham, in the northeast of England. Um, I'm rather trained. I've been in the business 17 years, uh, up and down the country and in other countries and whatnot. And I founded the Coronavirus Theatre Club um, two months ago at the start of lockdown. Um, at the Coronavirus Theatre Club, we have been streaming live monologues every Sunday on Twitter uh, into people's homes. And uh, I've become good uh, i've gotten very very good at, at spotting what works with a monologue and what doesn't and um, a bit of advice really would be to use the lens it might sound quite simple but a lot of people like to play the scene as if we're what we're looking in on it uh, like it's a television show but it's not it's not a television show it's a new way of doing things and we want you to look at us down the lens and that really helps us to communicate with you and i would also say Use the lens as if it's 500 people in an auditorium. Really don't be frightened to go there. Now, that could probably feel a little bit odd if you're standing in your bedroom giving it your Hamlet or whatever, but I would, I would urge you to, to use that lens as if it was the theatre and to really, to really give it some welly. And, uh, yeah, good luck. My name is Joe Caffrey, and I've been a professional actor for more than 30 years, working in theatre, television, film and radio. So... With online monologues, the camera is the audience. It was interesting, I did a, a Twitter Live monologue recently, and even though I was aware that there were thousands of people watching at home, I found the experience a very personal one. From the audience's perspective, you're looking at them, eye to eye. For the actor performing, it is um, an odd experience. You are staring at the little dot on the back of your phone, but those who are watching, they feel like you're talking to them directly and to no one else. And I found that an interesting thing to play with. Um, the character I was playing in the live monologue I did, um, to me, it made it more personal, more of a confessional. Um, and it was easier then to appeal directly to the viewer for um, understanding, even for forgiveness. And then I found it, as an actor, easier then to emote and to break down. So as with any piece you're performing, the most important thing I would say is to be on top of the text, just to read, to reread, dissect it, to examine, you know, every word, every moment, intention, where the thought changes are, and only when you've done all that work should you commit to learning it. And to me, there's no shortcuts to learning, but I do find that once you've done all that work and examined everything, it's easier than to use that character's train of thought to remember where the next section of thought might be and to learn it in those sections. And with a longer piece, 10 minutes, whatever it's going to be, to have those sections, I think, is important. So the two I've done recently, uh, I found it useful. This doesn't work, of course, for every monologue, but to refer to people I was remembering in the piece to be just off the camera so as I looked off and saw them and remembered them and talked about them, I found that a useful visual uh, trick, if you will, or, or whatever it was, but I found that useful. I would say that rehearsing on camera and then watching it back is really important, just to see if it's lit right, if the framing's right, if you're gonna move around, does that work in this one shot, but also just to get a scale of how 
small or how large your performance needs to be. Uh, on camera, I've found that even small movements, sometimes facial expressions, gestures, can look large. So just have a look. And I would add that you shouldn't allow this to stifle your performance. You know, stop you from giving a truthful performance, but just check what works and what doesn't. So we've heard from four exciting um, actors who were working in the industry about their top tips for monologues and creating performances. And we've also heard some of the work there as well. Um, Max, did you have some top tips about kind of producing monologues and creating them and or finding them even? Because I think sometimes we can get a bit stuck in terms of selecting the correct monologue for what we need to deliver. So I suppose in summing up the podcast today, Max, our intention in creating this podcast was to give top tips to performers who maybe are new to the industry, who maybe have worked in the industry for a little while, 
who are looking for ways in which they can create work that can be instantly sent out to, um, you know, put themselves on the map in relation to getting attention from agents and casting directors. We've heard a lot of tips from actors within the industry and from yourself as well. Somebody who watches monologues as part of their kind of everyday job in an audition situation. And we've also heard about some really exciting work that's going on around performances of monologues with the Coronavirus Theatre Club, of which link we'll put alongside the podcast for people to go on and see a lot more of the actors' works around this um, around this discipline. Was there anything else we wanted to say to the students before we signed off on what is our first ever podcast together, Max? Okay. I suppose uh, as, as someone who has to sometimes, or used to, to sit and watch uh, young, aspiring and emerging actors present audition pieces and monologues. Um, I go back to my former advice that I'm always, I'm always looking for truth and I'm always looking for something that actually means something to the person who's presenting it. Um, and I suppose also I'm always looking, I like, I like to laugh, so if you can find a piece that can make me laugh, that's a tick box in my in my situation. If you can find a piece that's moving and can make me cry, well, then that is uh, another prerequisite because those are the very bones of, of what theatre is about. It's something to make you laugh. It's something to make you cry. And perhaps most importantly, it's something to make you think. So again, you know, choose some material that is interesting and has some sort of uh, profundity or some sort of insight. Uh, so I suppose a monologue or an audition piece has to encapsulate the essence of theatre within a one, two or three minute uh, time sector. So it's very, very hard. So you have to think very, very carefully about it. But make them laugh, make them cry, make them think. Uh, those are uh, a, a, a good set of criteria to have uh, uh, as your sort of uh, context to make decisions on choosing material. Thank you so much for your time today, Max, and for everybody who contributed to today's podcast. We hope that you get a lot out of of what we brought together in terms of advice around creating a monologue.